have dared to explore. Two men set out on an epic journey to answer life's manliest questions. From the Fortress of Smoothitude in Lawrence, Kansas, it's The Gentleman Podcast with Glenn Stansberry and Brian McKinney. Welcome to the Gentleman Podcast. I'm Brian McKinney. I'm sitting to the left of the chilly Glenn Stansberry. It is cold, Brian. It is cold. It is cold. I know it's February, but you know, it, I, usually by February, the first week of February, we start to get a little relief from the um, the cold temperatures, but we are getting an onslaught of, uh, of cold tans- Kansas temperatures. And we got snow in the forecast mm-hmm. for this weekend. This- right the upcoming weekend yeah Whew. well anyway glenn uh hopefully in the next couple of weeks we'll get back to uh or it's almost spring so you know it got, is we got that look to, to look forward to um and speaking of things to look forward to glenn uh you and i are co-founders of a site called gentleman.com gentleman.com is definitely something that you can look forward to every day and you know how many things can you say that about not your job nope not your uh, daily routine. Nope. Not your... Not your kids. Not your kids. Spouse. Not your family. Yeah. Everybody lets you down. Right. Uh, except for gentleman.com. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you're feeling down, if you're feeling blue, sometimes you just got to go where everybody knows your name. <laughs> and uh, that uh, <laughs> could be gentleman.com for you if you become a valued member of our community. Mm-hmm. And Ooh, the, first step, yeah. the first step down that road is to do a very simple thing which is to go to gentleman.com and start looking at things and clicking on things. And eventually, <laughs> eventually you'll become part of the community and part of the team at gentleman.com. And uh, you'll really enjoy every day when you wake up, you'll be like, I'm really looking forward to going to gentleman.com for the next 12 hours. And why wouldn't you? And clicking on things, you know? Uh, there's plenty <laughs> of things to click on. So anyway, and then uh, the, other th- the other thing that's great is once, you, once you've clicked on everything... Um, on gentleman.com then you can uh go over to podcast.gentleman.com where you can follow along with this episode and you can also see uh our previous episodes listen to previous episodes see some of the previous beers we rated all kinds of stuff uh and you can do so at podcast.gentleman.com and then once you do that uh to the ultimate step to you know i would say it's kind of like the uh the the ritual that has to happen in order to cross that threshold you know into your pre-gentleman life and then your post your current gentleman life <laughs> is <laughs> you send a letter to me and glenn post you send a letter to the to p.o box 442-305 lawrence kansas mm-hmm. 66044 where we will get your letter uh we will talk about it on the gentleman podcast we will post it on the hall slash wall of fame which we know and love as the hall of fame and we will send you back something in return and uh, we will do so based on the tenor of your letter. And if, perchance, you are so engrossed in the Gentleman Podcast, maybe you're clicking around gentleman.com, you're listening to the Gentleman Podcast at the same time, you got one window open to the podcast, you got seven windows open on Gentleman, you're not going to want to get up and go to the, po- uh, the post office. So no. I, we, we get it, we get it, we get it. But uh, So you can take a less... Um, wondrous road to getting in touch with me and Glenn and that is uh, you can get in touch with us via email at howdyatgentleman.com or you can hit us up on a social network such as Chidio uh, hotornot.com YouTube mm-hmm. uh, Farmers Only Instagram Farmers Only um, all those the big social networks that Tinder. are going on right now mm-hmm. Tinder mm-hmm. Um, Snapchat yeah um <laughs> You know all those, all those big, all the big all social the, networks, the big players, right? yeah. yeah, all the big players. Um, so anyway, you can, so yeah, Pokemon uh, Go. Feel free to send us an email or go to one of those uh, sanctioned sites and get in touch <laughs> with us. Uh, anyway, Glenn. Okay, well, we got that all taken care of. Now we can move on to the media episode, which is the drink of the week. Mm. Well, Brian, the drink of the week was my turn. My turn for the drink of the week. Yeah, it was. And I have a history, I feel like, of picking beers that um, surprise us. Yeah, and it'd say surprise and confuse us. Yes, and, and make us scratch our heads. Well, I, I'm, I'm afraid that I may have gotten one of those, but I'm not entirely sure. Um, Boulevard Brewing is out of Kansas City. They're a great brewery. 
really like their stuff. And they typically don't release a lot of new stuff, I feel like. They'll do some seasonal things, but... So there's not a whole lot of change, but walking by the Boulevard section, lo and behold, a new porter was available, and it's okay. called the Flora Obscura. It's good now, name. yeah, now you may recall um, a while back, a few episodes yonder, I picked up a Hibiscus Goes <laughs> from Boulevard Brewing Company. Yes, I do and remember that one. That yeah. episode lives in infamy as, uh, yes, that was our first experience to the sour beer. And salty and floral. Sour, salty, floral beers? I just remember daisies tasting it. I I don't know. Yeah. Uh, So, but, so this is the Flora Obscura, which literally means dark flower. Um, And basically what we got here is a lot of hops in a porter. Um, 50 IBUs, which still ducks under our, you know. Yep. Our, our IB, you, we usually, well, it's right around 50, right? 55? Yeah, that's the top end. I mean, this is, this is getting pretty hoppy for us. Brian and I typically don't like hoppy beers, but yeah. if it's a, a, a porter, there, there, there's a uh, actually a local brewery, Free State, has uh, the oatmeal stout, which has high IBUs as well. Yeah. So, it all just depends. But yeah. yeah, we can do it. it it'll, yeah. So, anyway, before we uh, taste this, Brian, mm. I'll give you a few facts here. Okay. Uh, there's a lot of malts. Malts are good. Malts are good. Chocolate malt, caramel malt, two-row pale malt. Okay. I really enjoy that one. Mm-hmm. Um, and also has lots of hops. Uh, Cascade, Simcoe, Amarillo, Amarillo, <laughs> Mosaic, and Galaxy. It was like, that's a, that's a slew of hops we got here, Brian. So, uh, the alcohol by volume is 5.8%. Okay. IBU's 50 and the EBC, which has something to do with color, is one thirty. Let me ask you this, Glenn. How yes. much does this cost? This costs nine dollars and ninety nine cents. Ooh, kind of pricey. Kind of pricey for our local fare. Uh, what did you get a bonus at work or something? Yeah, well, well it's almost Friday. Uh, um, I'm Rockefeller just, over here with a ten dollar beer. We're working Sheesh. for the weekend here. Okay. So well, yeah, ten dollar uh, beers. Okay. So we'll see. Yeah, I am. Well, there's only one way to find out what uh, what this beer is all about, Glenn, and that is to <clears throat> crack it open. Crack it open. I'm, I'm kind of nervous. I am. <laughs> Brian's very nervous. Uh, I feel like this will be an adventure. Um, I'll, I'll, oh, you're gonna go with it. I, I, you have a special. Oh, oh, well, thank you, Glenn's. <laughs> oh. Thanks, Brian. All right, all right. Pour this in a glass here. Gotta be careful. Last time I did this, I think I booted a bunch of beer on Brian's rug. Oop. Wow. Yeah, see, the Taylor glass, that's a, that's a big glass. That's a good 20 ounce right there. It's a terrible pour. Oh, really smell the hops. Mm, very floral. <sighs> My senses are coming alive. Uh... Making me nervous. The smell of it. Yeah, it's, it smells like a. It smells like a flower. Yeah, it does really smell like. I don't know how obscura the flower is. <laughs> well. Okay. Well, I guess like, I'll just have some. Try to. Okay. <laughs> uh, <laughs> very hoppy. That's. Whoa. Okay. Well, that's interesting. <laughs> that is a chewy beer. Uh, Brian really likes it. It's like, uh, yeah, it's like eating roses in a man. Fooling once, Boulevard. Mug of <laughs> old beer. Old beer? No, it's not that bad. It's basically like a very hoppy. Porter. It's like a pale, yeah. It's like an IPA porter. You know, and it's so weird that it that it is that because right under the description it says dry hops porter. <laughs> <laughs> Who knew? Who knew? Okay, Glenn. Well, if you had to um, give mm. a 
arbitrary rating to this beer if you just like had to you know, you know actually the more i taste it it's really not that bad it's not that bad it's not it's not it's if you're into hoppy stuff and yep. you like porters this could be a good uh common ground and actually it's just that first taste that you have it's, something that's very distinct like a hoppy beer when you have that first taste of it it really hits you in the face yeah, but, it really kicks you in the but this the is Jimmy's. Uh, this is actually I, I mean it's grown on me a little bit actually it's not it's not too bad i'm not i'm not disliking it so yeah, I don't dislike it. I'm really disappointed actually because the I don't know. It's kind of like a the like porters. I feel like are typically stronger, mm. uh, a little bit more pop to them, and the pop and just kind of water. I don't know. Yeah, kind of not flat. I don't know. I'm just yeah. taking flowers and uh, I'm disappointed. I don't know how to rate this either. Mm. Uh, this is tough. tough. Yeah, but fortunately, it's really not. It really doesn't matter. This is just for fun. Our ratings, right. Our ratings don't matter. The it's mustache, the mustache twist, twist scale computer scale that, yeah. that we will plug this into. For um, yeah. So the mustache twist scale computer. Let's let's talk about that a second. Uh, mustache twist scale computer is a proprietary computer that me and Glenn built that is built on artificial intelligence, machine learning, mm-hmm. deep learning, mm-hmm. uh, dark web, dark web, blockchain yep. technology. Mm-hmm. Um, and it and HTML and HTML <laughs> and JavaScript <laughs> and it basically basically what it does is it uses mm. neural networks to store in the blockchain uh, ratings for beer. Yeah, empirical, scientific, uh, provable, mathematic ratings for beer. Yeah, no big deal. No, just the world's first empirical beer rating computer. Right, basically. Right, uh, Alan so Turing. Yeah. Than us. He created computers, and then we were like, well, it's just a computer. Right. How can this help everybody? You know what's Let's cool? Let's fix that. Computers are 50 cool. 50 computers. But you know what's cooler <laughs> is a beer rating computer. Anyway, mm-hmm. I don't want to talk too much about us, but it's pretty cool. Uh, so anyway, Glenn, what, uh, if you were going to give a rating to this beer, what would you rate this beer as? Well, I'm with you, Brian. The more it simmers down, the more I'm, I'm able it's really to. It's not too bad. It's, it's all right. Yeah. Uh, would I buy it again? Absolutely not. Um, no, I'd never buy this ever. If, but if it was like, well, you have two beers on tap. If you go to your friend's house and he's like, "Here's this dry hopped Flora Obscura <laughs> beer," I would be like, "Okay, let's 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 drink this." It's so yeah. crazy though because I think this even has less IBUs than like the Oatmeal Stout that I really mm-hmm. like. Mm-hmm. So I, it, it just goes to show, yeah, the method of how they hop beers and the types of hops yeah. really make a difference. And the flavors and all that stuff. Yeah. yeah. So um, I think based on the price is too high. It's a, very, it's a high price. dollars. Yeah, it's a 10 price. Yeah. The average around here is 8.5. Yep. Uh, $10, that's not good. That's up. It's strike two. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, that's strike one. Strike two and three is the flowers. Yeah. In the beer. Um, yeah. I'm. This is going to scrape the barrel of a 7.1. 7.1. I, I feel. Yeah. I was going to go with a 7.2 because it kind of grew. I was going to. I would have gone with a 7, but this. this it grew on me a little bit. <laughs> Uh, as I had a little bit more in there, uh, so I was going to seven two. So you, you said seven one, I said seven two. Okay, well, uh, good thing is that doesn't matter because it's really going to come down to our empirical mustache twist Oof. scale computer, who is going to. I'm going to I'm going to type some facts in to this computer here, and it will spit out a actual empirical rating for this Flora Obscura beer from Boulevard. So, okay, so we said the price was nine ninety nine. Mm-hmm. We said the alcohol by volume is. Five point eight percent. Five point eight. That's pretty. pretty that's pretty. Uh, that's right pretty in the middle of the road. Uh, it's like King Loggins, like right in the middle of the road. Um, <laughs> and then the IBUs were fifty, which are a little bit high. A little bit high for us. Yeah. Uh, the EBC was one one thirty, and um, yeah, we said the price was nine ninety nine. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, uh, just in a second here, we should hear the mustache twist scale computer printing off and finishing the print off. Which I will go get a hold of and bring it back here, and I will tell you what the empirical mustache with scale rating for this beer is. Uh, so one second, I'll be right back. Mm, okay. Let me go get this. Man, IBUs. I think it's there's some uh, pseudoscience that goes into calculating those, Brian. I think so. I it's think, like wind chill. I think it's you know, it's, there's some marketing in there somewhere. Oh, this is just fifty. Did I say a hundred? I meant fifty. Yeah. Well. Not everybody has a mustache with scale computer. That's right. To uh, give us the straight dope. Right. Look under the kimono. Right. Mm -hmm. Let's pull that kimono up a little bit. Stick our heads there. (laughs) Uh, 
And once we <laughs> get a close look. Uh, Brian, if I wanted to T-bone. <laughs> uh, once we get a real close look, we can see that the mustache twist scale computer, according to the infallible blockchain uh, mustache twist scale computer, mm-hmm. it is a 7.15. That's not surprising. On the MTS scale. That's not surprising. So that's it's fair. Yeah, I think that that is fair. I think that is a very fair score. So, uh, I pretty low, pretty low for. I mean, as far as the mustache twist scale is, is, it's it's not the lowest we've had, but it's on the lower side. I would it's, say on the the bell curve, it's on the. You just got a D minus. Well, uh, Boulevard's not looking good as a whole for breweries. Yeah, the hibiscus goes. The Flor yeah. obscura. Yeah, we. Yeah, mm-hmm. they're just above the Iron Maiden beer. Um, I'm trying to think yeah. of other worst beers that we've had. Iron Maiden was a bad one. That was a really bad and one. Boulevard's dancing on that line. Well, okay, Glenn. Well, let's uh, move on to some interesting posts from gentlemen.com. So things in the last get better. Two weeks or so. Well, Brian, I feel like I feel like you know this will get better. This podcast yeah. will get better. Let yeah. me tell you why, Brian. Uh, because we're going to feature Colin Furs. Yeah, Colin Furs is an inventor and plumber. Yep, from good old England. Jolly old England. Jolly old England. And he has decided to build the biggest fart machine ever, <laughs> uh, which he plans to place on top of the cliffs of Dover and aim across the channel towards France. And it is his hope that the French, a mere 21 miles away, will hear the blast. Mm. Um, this is a great idea. I'm trying to think why this wouldn't be a good idea. I can't. Uh, to further uh, heap on the awesomeness that Mr. Furs is is doing here, he's using. <laughs> Let me just read this. This is the best. I just have to read it. The machine, which Furs will house in a pair of specially constructed buttocks, is a giant pulse valveless jet engine, as used in the Nazi V1 bombs during the Second World War. A pair of specially constructed buttocks, Brian. Oh, yeah. Not the Nazi thing. Um, yeah, so what are your thoughts on this, Brian? Do you think this is a good idea? Well, first of all, let's talk about Colin Furs. Uh, hmm. It's hard to ignore this guy. I, <laughs> uh, I, first, I think the first thing I found that he posted that I was really interested in was he built a underground bunker under a shed in his backyard. Uh, and that really struck me because he he's, a, he's a DIY kind of YouTube yeah. per- personality. Except he does really – I mean, most DIY people will, will give you like a project like we're going to build this deck chair or something. Something today. useful. The first video I saw that he did was like we're going to build an underground bunker and here's how you do it. And he <laughs> built an underground bunker in his backyard. Uh, and then I saw a bunch of other stuff that he's done, including stuff like this. He built a – you know, I, I want to say it was like a – one-third size uh, AT-AT walker yep. from Star Wars in his front yard. Uh, so he's he just he just does crazy things, and but he does them really well. Yep. He's a he's a plumber and he has a shop and he he thinks about crazy stunts and he goes and builds them and they're really cool. Uh, so this this is this is one of the most out there ones uh, that he's done. But I would say I you know. It, as soon as it said the the, the article headline was Englishman builds giant fart machine, I was like, I wonder if this is this has got to be Colin Furs, uh, and, it, and it is. And uh, so anyway, I, I I I like this guy. I like the stuff he does. I think that uh, that's what the internet's all about: is having people like this out there doing uh, doing the Lord's work mm-hmm. and building fart machines and and things of that nature. Yes. So, uh, yeah. If I don't want to live in a world. Where Colin Furs can't build these types of things. Can't get a World War II era jet engine and build a fart machine out of it. <laughs> he's done he's done a lot of different things. Yeah. So anyway, uh, I don't know where he got a hold of this uh, this technology or anything like that, but uh, I don't know. This guy gets all kinds of stuff. I don't know yes. where he gets it from. I think he just finds stuff and he's like, you know, I could do something with that. And then he goes off and he does something crazy with it. And he's got a ton of stuff in gentlemen. Yeah. Uh, over the years, mm-hmm. so yeah. so anyway, well documented. Okay, well, uh, so if you're interested in this uh, giant front machine, which I'm sure you are, uh, you stop on over to podcast.gentleman.com where I'll link this up, and we uh, we will. Uh, I'm sure he has plans for this on his website so that you can build an identical machine in case you really <laughs> want to annoy your neighbors. Hmm. Um, 
Okay, Glenn. Uh, well, let's talk about the next act. Uh, you know, it was just the Super Bowl very recently. Yes. And uh, our good buddy, Zamoose, posted a article that is timely because of the Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. It's called, uh, It's Been 15 Years Since YouTube Gave Us the Best Super Bowl Halftime Show Ever. Uh, and this is a little post from GQ. And it talks about U2's iconic 2002 performance at the Super Bowl halftime show. And I watched this for the first time t- tonight. <laughs> I don't, I don't, I, I didn't watch, I, I never, we talked about this last episode. I don't typically watch the Super Bowl. Right. I'm pretty sure I didn't watch it back in 2002. But I, th- I actually do think I have seen the performance before, maybe. Mm-hmm. And this performance is really specific because it takes place less than six months after. 2001, mm-hmm. uh, 9-11. Yeah. Uh, so a very specific cultural event in the United States history. And you 2 used the opportunity to be uh, the halftime show at the Super Bowl to uh, to really post a message of, you know, in a, in a dark time for America mm-hmm. of, uh, you know, uh, Americans coming together and unity and, unity, and that kind of stuff. Hope. Uh, so some special moments in the in watching it uh are they're very cool you know well some stuff it gives you a little bit of goosebumps and stuff like that you know yeah. i mean uh bono pulling his jacket open with the american flag yeah. and, and stuff like that uh and of course you two songs are so you know they just they they pick the songs that are really appropriate for that and then also there's a moment where they have all the victims of mm-hmm. 9-11 displayed on a display while they're 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 doing one of their songs so uh you know for all those reasons it's a great super bowl performance but for a i would i was going to add to this that for a very specific reason i found it a very good super bowl perform halftime performance and that is that i think bono was actually singing but i yes. think he was i think he had a microphone that he was actually singing right. in right as opposed to just playing a digital recording of a song and then dancing along to it which is, right. seems to be like what we get now um i can't remember well I have a couple things to say on that but to your point i think I, I think it was the stones or one of the more recent in the last 10 years uh bands that did a show mm-hmm. and the guitars weren't even plugged in like they didn't not like they didn't have wireless packs on like they weren't even there was nothing attached uh, to them, and they're just pretending like they were playing, and it was the most ridiculous thing. Um, I, I hate that, but the, the, that's what I love about this performance is that yeah. it's like it's real and raw, and you can hear some imperfections, like yep. you hear some things that go on that right. aren't aren't true. But then I don't know. I kind of I kind of like that. Um, I I think it's hilarious to listen to the the actual um, like you can go on the internet. You, you, oh, can you can go on the you, internet, right? You, you can hear the actual track that they played underneath, like the backing track for performances, live performances. Yeah. They're really sad. Yeah. Just, <gasps> so, yeah, you know they're trying to sing and like, right? Yeah. So I just, yeah, I, I just wonder what happened to the, uh, you know, I know that there's mistakes and stuff like that, but what happened to like the 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 performer doing a performance and and owning up to it? Uh, like yeah. a Mariah Carey? <laughs> no, I just oh, <laughs> oh, you're saying like an actual live show with live like, music? Yeah, what happened to? I mean, you got to have some guts to yeah. get out there and perform, and it doesn't take a lot of guts to sing along to a a pre-recorded track no. and dance around up there, right? I don't know. Bottles running around the stage like out of breath, yeah. like he gets it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but he gets the singing done. Still, he's got oh, to. He's got it. There's he- no choice. And he always will. Brian, another interesting thing about this, culturally, at the time. So I watched it live, and I about, I was telling you before the show, I about fell out of my chair, like when he opens his fl- the uh, the jacket up, and yeah. he's got the American flag. And yeah. It's a little cheese ball, but it's yeah. also pretty, yeah. it's pretty cool. You gotta take it in the time that it was, right. you know, 2002, it was, right. you know, that was a big thing. Um, but the previous year's halftime show, the theme was the Kings of Rock and Pop. And it featured Aerosmith, all right. Okay. In Sync, Britney Spears, e. Mary J. Blige, oh, and Nelly. So Nelly, Nelly huh? yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, you know, that's yeah. a bright spot there. Yeah. So uh, St. Louis is finest. Um, <laughs> so you know, and then after that, so it's like you two, and then after that, they did uh, Shania Twain, No Doubt, and Sting. How weird. So those are like 
the sandwich, the bread that makes up this U2 concert. Wow. When you're looking at that, <laughs> it's... It's like, all right. Yeah. That's... Uh, yeah. That that makes it a little bit... Uh, a little bit easier to to reason about. And they did full songs. Yeah. That's the format they use right now. Is like they'll just have medleys where it's like 10 songs smashed together. And I don't know. Yeah. Justin Timberlake was the performer this past weekend. Yep. Right and it, uh, the, he, he didn't get he, the, the reviews said it was okay, which is hard because you got a guy out there like giving it his all and like <laughs> yeah. dancing around. Justin Timberlake's incredibly talented, yeah. And yeah. if he can't, you know, get a, a standing ovation, then I think everybody's a critic these days. Everybody's got a got their social media rolling, and mm-hmm. as soon as the first note's sung, oh god, yeah, yeah, everybody's got to say something about it. Okay, well, anyway, so. If you haven't seen this 2002 U2 performance, go check it out. Uh, we will look it up on podcast.gentleman.com, and you could probably just Google for it, but basically <laughs> podcast.gentleman.com is a Google competitor, so yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. Some people like Google. Some people like podcast.gentleman.com. Right. I don't know. It's your own personal preference. Yeah. Whatever you want to do. Coke, Pepsi. Yeah, right. exactly. Uh, okay, Glenn, well, moving along. Let's, uh, what, what's, what's next on the list here? We got, uh, oh, yes. Oh, Brian. Well, the next tack is by none other than, well, me. And I thought it was appropriate. Uh, actually, I didn't think it was appropriate. I just thought it was oh, interesting. It was inappropriate. <laughs> I thought it was inappropriate. So I posted it. Um, <laughs> and it's titled, Alexander Hamilton's Deep Advice. Mm. Uh, which is kind of a weird title. But if you read the article that it links to, uh, the the site is called calnewport.com. I think this is just a, a blog from, a compu- uh, he's a computer science professor. Um, but anyway, he talks about um, in 1800, Alexander Hamilton wrote his son Philip a letter um, that laid out a set of rules that he thought that his son Philip should kind of adhere to uh, to get the to squeeze the most out of his um, after graduation training at Columbian College. Now, keep in mind, his son has graduated college at this point, right? So he's a full fledged adult, mm-hmm. but. Um, so Alexander Hamilton says, the rules for Mr. Philip Hamilton. He's called them rules, Brian. If my dad tried to tell me the rules I had after college, not doing it. But you're, when your dad's Alexander Hamilton. Well, maybe that makes a difference. Um, and basically he says that uh, all year long, oh, excuse me, from April to the 1st of October, he shouldn't uh, get up any later than 6 o'clock. Okay. And the rest of the year, not any later than 7. Okay. Which is pretty much, I don't know about you, that's pretty much what I do. I don't mm-hmm. know. You, you're up at, by six every day, right? I'm up by six past nine every day. Yeah. Yeah. Six past nine. Uh, and if he gets to bed earlier, that's great. Uh, and he's going to go to bed by 10. I'm paraphrasing here just for brevity, but. Uh, and at nine o'clock in the morning, um, he's to read law. Okay. At uh, nine, he goes to the office, or up until nine, he's to read law. At nine, six he goes, to nine. Six yeah. to nine, right. Yeah. Reads law. And then at 9 o'clock, he goes to the office and stays there till dinner time. And guess what he's going to be doing, Ryan? He's going to be reading law. Reading law all day. Um, mm-hmm. After dinner, he goes home and he reads law until 5 o'clock. Mm-hmm. And then, but, 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 from 5 till 7, he can do whatever he wants. Right. 5 to 7, Philip Hamilton. The world is a waste That's right. Uh, but, uh, yeah, from 7 to 10... He reads and studies whatever he pleases. Right. So it's like he got he has two hours to do whatever he wants. Mm. Seven to ten, he's got to be reading something. Right. But it can be whatever he wants. It doesn't right. have to be law. Right. Anyway, Sunday's got to go to church. On Saturday, he's at liberty to amuse himself. So, <laughs> anyway. And he must not depart from any of these rules without his without Alexander Hamilton's permission. Right. Uh, so this, I, you know what I found interesting about this was that it's balanced. It's not like he was saying, wake up, study law, uh, go to the office, study law, take a 20-minute lunch break, study law, go home, study law, go to sleep, wake up, study law. Right, right. He's saying, like, you know, from 5 to 7, please enjoy whatever amusements that you want. (laughs) You know? Watch some Netflix. Yeah. Whatever you want to do. You know? Catch the new orange, new black. Right. Uh, so I thought that was kind of interesting, but uh, you know, it's 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 an interesting point. It's an interesting thing to think about. You know, he he wants to, he wants his kid to be disciplined, but he wants him to have fun too. 
a, a tiny amount a tiny of fun. A tiny amount of fun. Just a little. But stay very right. constructive. Right. You know? I think, uh, and, and the author of the blog article goes on to point out that, while this sounds kind of crazy by modern standards, it's actually, it does point out that in order to be really good at something, you just have to devote a lot of time to it. Yeah. There's just no shortcuts. You're right. Um, and and so, you know, basically says Alexander Hamilton, he knew he had to get his son's uh, mind in shape if he's going to be a great legal beagle. Yeah. Uh, legal eagle? We have legal beagles. <laughs> we have legal beagles. It's probably a legal eagle. Uh, but I uh, wonder what ever happened to Philip Hamilton. Was he successful? I don't know, Brian. There's no, uh, there's no uh, coda to this. <laughs> it was... Yeah, this off this kind of reminds me of uh, like uh, early startup, like you know, yeah, like the stories of Facebook founders. Right. They basically did this. Yeah, I think there's probably more beer involved. Than, <laughs> yeah, uh, but anyway, yeah. So this is interesting stuff. Uh, I, I, you know, it's, I think it's a good balance. It's a good balance of of both worlds. Um, and I need to find out what happened to Philip Hamilton because I don't know if his if he heeded his father's advice or not. I don't know. History really didn't uh, say. Yeah, so I wonder. I, I don't remember that Philip Hamilton becoming a famous lawyer. So, isn't that what the play's about? The Hamilton, the play. Hamilton. I think it's about Philip Hamilton. Hamilton yeah, uh, how hard he worked. Nope, that's a different Philip Hamilton. <laughs> However, so, <laughs> sorry. So Philip Hamilton never. Never really, despite his father's, according to Wikipedia, interventions never really got it done. The 1960s Philip Hamilton uh, carried more water than uh, okay, well, 1760s Philip Hamilton. I bet Philip Hamilton got this letter, bundled it up, threw it in the trash, and went out and started partying. <laughs> yeah. so Bring gradu- me your finest ale. I just graduated law school. My dad's Alexander Hamilton. Let's do this. Um, Put on so. your. Square-toed shoes. Yeah. Uh, well, anyway, Glenn, we'll have to research that and uh, update. We will get next, back to you. That's next time. Inquiring minds need to know. Uh, okay, Glenn. Well, that means it's time for the uh, toast this week. Mm-hmm. And uh, this is this is something that caught my eye. This is uh, unfortunately this is another one of these cases of somebody that's passed away, uh, and somebody that's been pretty cool and influential that isn't around anymore. But it gives you a chance to recognize somebody for some cool stuff that they did and what i'm excited about this one because i've never heard of this person before i read about this story and i'm sure everybody out there probably a lot of people out there have never heard of this guy Mm -hmm. and i'm gonna butcher this guy's name um indugu chancellor yep indugu chancellor so that would have guessed uh is the guy's name and he passed away this week at 65 and he is a musician he's a prolific jazz drummer and over the course of his six-decade career, the drummer collaborated with or performed alongside legends like Miles Davis, Thelonious Monk, Weather Report, singers like Frank Sinatra, Lionel Richie, James Brown, Tina Turner, Carlos hey. Santana. Santana. And Eric Clapton. Did he play and, on Smooth? And dozens more artists. <laughs> but let me tell you about Mr. Chancellor's number one claim to fame. Okay. Okay? Hmm? He played the drums on Michael Jackson's classic, Billie Jean. Mm-hmm. Now, mm-hmm. think back to that stone-cold, badass drum intro. Mm-hmm. I mean, that that sets the tone for one of the biggest Michael Jackson songs of all time. That drum, that whole drum thing is the basis of that song, you know? There's a little bit of musical stuff going on on top of it, but it's really about that beat. That's right. And Mr. Chancellor laid that thing down. Yeah, he did. In a major way. (laughs) Yeah, he did. If you're playing with James Brown, if you're playing with Sinatra, I mean, Sinatra, Miles Davis. Yeah. I mean... Yeah, you've got some chops by the time you get to Michael Jackson. Right. And you're like, what's this? how's this song go? Okay, check this out. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he, he I was I wanted to listen to more uh some other songs that he he played on and on in the article that you um you sent, there was a Rolling Stone article, 
They they feature some at the bottom, don't they? Some uh, yeah, they have they have a bunch of his tracks. He's on. Beds. He also was on uh, two other songs on Michael Jackson's Thriller, uh, Pyt, and Baby Mind. <laughs> Baby Mind, both great. Oh yeah, both great. Others, oh, I love both of those. I love all three of those songs. You kind know? of follow that same format, just rock steady, like yeah, sh- yeah. Anyway, the thing about that I love about stuff like that is this guy is a prolific jazz drummer. And he goes into the studio to record Billy Jean, and he just does a, you know, a simple, straight up beat. You know, mm-hmm. he doesn't get all fancy about it. Mm-hmm. It's just like this is this is going to be a great pop song. We're going to play this thing. You know, he just puts he sprinkles the little touches into there, but it's very it's very straight ahead, very cool. So that that's what tells me he's a great drummer because great great drummers don't show off necessarily. They can recognize when it's just a straight up, mm-hmm. you know, it doesn't need any fancy stuff. You know, you just rock ahead. He knows he's got to be the, the foundation for Michael to exactly. move around to. Exactly. Right? right. Exactly. And that takes a special. That can't takes be moonwalking. A, the, no. It takes any a, beat now. Yeah. It takes a special kind of kind of guy to get that done. So anyway, I, I didn't know that this guy played drums on Billie Jean. But as soon as I read about this, I, I just I had to include this because hmm. uh, it's such an iconic uh Recording of drums, and uh, I'd never heard of him. It seems like somebody that, that people should know about. So. He was the guy behind the guy, guy behind the guy. It's always you know, it's always the people behind that that make the difference. Sometimes, That's right? You know. Anyway, uh, okay, Glenn. Well, uh, miss, a toast to Mr. Chancellor Dugu Chancellor Dugu. Well done, sir. Okay, Glenn. Well, that means it's time for the uh, hot button topic. topic. Uh, and this week, Glenn, we heard early on this week mm. that there was some very interesting news. This really intrigued. I read the headline and it grabbed me. And basically, J.P. Morgan, uh, Berkshire Hathaway, mm-hmm. and Amazon mm-hmm. are all teaming up. The, wait, the book bookseller? Yes, the uh, the little known bookseller, okay. Amazon.com, okay. is they're they're teaming up. To create a healthcare company for their employees, so they're gonna instead of contracting out to some third-party healthcare provider, they're gonna work together to create a company that will serve their employees and give them excellent healthcare for a cheaper price than they could get from a third-party healthcare provider, and they're gonna control the whole thing from end to end. And uh, pretty excited about this. I don't work for any of those companies. Nope. So I won't be able to take advantage of it, at least at first. Mm-hmm. But <laughs> uh, there's there's rumblings that uh, they're going to pilot it on their their employees and possibly destroy the healthcare industry, which needs to happen immediately. Like I, this, this to me is very exciting because I think it's the only thing that could possibly happen to fix something that's very broken. They, they in their press release they referred to the American healthcare industry as the tapeworm, <laughs> feeding off of the American economy. That's right, and I agree. I agree. I, I think anyone that's dealt with with healthcare stuff has been perplexed, frustrated. Uh, you know, th- there's just a feeling of helplessness sometimes when you get involved with with trying to deal with insurance providers and what they'll pay for and what they won't, and it feels like a big game that you can't win no matter who you are uh, unless you control the system and there enters uh, three of the biggest uh, corporations in America to to step in and try to fix this thing at least for their companies to start with but maybe that will lead to a broader look at uh, the healthcare market and get things fixed up a little bit man I'm all for this too I'm, I'm with you I think it needs to be dynamited yeah uh, there's no way, there's no way anybody can rationally say that what's work, what what's going on right now is working because even though healthcare is in the private sector, I'm using air quotes here, right? It's it, it's so big at this point and so weird and yeah. untamed. I, can you imagine being a somebody who didn't who wasn't from America, came to America, and you were you got health insurance and you broke your arm, right? And you didn't understand the language very well. Right. Can you imagine just I, I I that's what I feel like is it is now when I go to the like I don't even know what language they're speaking. 
Yeah, it might be better if I didn't understand the language you're speaking. Because the the healthcare industry is just so jacked up. You can go in and... Um, I feel like if I got in a car accident, I'd be on the hook to be like calling them and being like, I might, I might have a concussion and my neck might right. be broken, but should I go to the emergency room? Because I don't know <laughs> if you're going to cover it. Well, you know, <laughs> were you driving? Yeah, or, exactly. Right. You know, I just feel like you know. What color wh- shirt are you wearing? What kind of a weird country are you in? Where that you know you got to be worried. Like, you got to be worried about that kind of stuff. It's really strange. I don't know. It's broken though, man. And I think you know, you get some giants in the private industry working together. That's yeah. Uh, well, you know, it's interesting, those three coming together. I mean, I, you know, I don't know about J.P. Morgan. I don't know about Berkshire Hathaway. I mean, Berkshire Hathaway obviously yeah. has the financial side of things going. But right. I don't know how – like, Amazon gets things done. Right. We've seen them approach things and and get them done. And right. So I believe in that, their ability to, to take a very complex problem. Right. Even something as complex as healthcare. Right. I, I've – I would have some faith that Amazon could actually see this through, see this through and figure it out. Um, right. So I don't know if if I'm a healthcare provider, I'd start to get a little bit nervous because uh, not only does Amazon have you know a considerable amount of employees that they're going to be pulling out of the insurance market, uh, J.P. Morgan and Berkshire Hathaway, I'm sure, do as well. And if they can get this thing figured out, then you know. What other corporations going to look at? Because if you can, if you can save money on healthcare, healthcare is such a big expense for these corporate. I mean, that's right. Think about how much money Amazon spends on healthcare for their employees. Right. I mean, it's a a mint. Yeah, it's. A, I'm sure it's a ridiculous amount. Enough for them to think maybe we should have our own health. We provider. could save money by yeah, starting by the health starting company. our own healthcare <laughs> provider. So uh, <laughs> I don't know. I, I I think other other companies should start to look into this i mean i i don't know yeah they may like the groundwork for for everyone else to kind of follow suit like hey yeah you know yeah or even if you could band together with you know other like companies your size or you get 100 startups together and you all share a healthcare provider you know yeah i don't know get it done changer man i you know the the healthcare stuff has always been a frustration from the time i started my first job until now i mean you know it's it's always a worry, and especially when you know there. If you're not working for somebody, you know what I mean. Like, you leave your jo- leave your job, and you leave that healthcare behind. Uh, what do you like? What do you do? Like, you have this really expensive private healthcare that doesn't cover anything. It's like mm-hmm. basically dismemberment insurance, right? Uh, but it costs you three hundred bucks a month or something, right? You know? It's crazy. So I don't know. It's it just seems like. There's got to be a way to to get around this whole thing. Yeah, I, I, I don't know, man. I just I know that it, the way it is right now, it is just way too expensive relative to the service that you get. Yeah, and it's just been this weird escalation of you know the, the you know my wife's a nurse, right? Mm-hmm. And so from the healthcare side of things, it's like this weird escalation of insurance. Raising premiums and then hospitals trying to figure out a way to like save money for them and also like for patients, right? You know, like oh, when you fill out this form, make sure you said that your you know your nose really hurt, wink, yeah. wink, and yeah. then then it kicks in this until there's like yeah. all these loopholes and weird, right? And nothing is transparent, right? Um, I yeah, I, I, I it'll be interesting to see what they do because the other th- interesting thing about this, Brian, they they have a million. A million? I think it's a million employees between the three companies. So it's not just like a small little pilot program. It's a million, right. a million Americans, you right. know, joining this private, right. you know, new insurance company. That's a chunk of change going away from insurance companies. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know, man. I feel like it's pretty obvious if, if they're doing this, they're making this drastic of a thing where we're going to create our own health care insurance. I think that's probably a pretty big red flag that stuff's broken <laughs> enough uh, that they need to get this stuff figured out i just think the idea is funny to me that the ceo of jp morgan and (laughs) you know warren Warren buffett Buffett and jeff Jeff bezos Bezos call each other up or they're texting each other warren (laughs) we should just make our own health care okay yeah sure jeff yeah (laughs) you jokester yeah 
No, but I mean, the conversations had to have gone on. I don't know. It's cool that they got together and they're doing this. I think it's going to be awesome. But um, we'll see. I don't know if it'll translate really how quickly it'll translate or if it will translate to the private uh, private sector. I don't know. But hopefully that'll at least spark a conversation, get things moving. That's right. You know, have other companies start to think about doing something else. Maybe Google and Apple will start thinking about doing something. Um, you know. Well, they'll have all the data. Yeah. <laughs> definitely so uh, i don't know we'll see but uh yeah so that sh- it should be interesting a mm. new healthcare provider that's just for three companies for now for now we'll see to be continued to be continued okay well uh we're gonna keep in we'll keep tags on that and see mm. see what happens with that um we'll be watching we'll be watching and uh <laughs> maybe we'll uh Right. Sneak in there. I just want to know what the name's going to be. It's got to be something clever. I don't know. Yeah. Amazon Morgan Way. <laughs> Amazon, Amazon Insurance. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no. uh, okay, well, um, cool. All right, well, we're, we're going to report back on that in uh, several weeks after they've uh, announced their plans. Uh, okay, well, uh, that means it's time for the final segment of the Gentleman Podcast, which is the... Questions from the gentleman mailbag, Glenn. And uh, this week, uh, Punxsutawney Phil mm-hmm. made his appearance mm-hmm. and stepped out from his groundhog den and took a look and saw a shadow. And that means six more weeks of winter, according to Punxsutawney Phil. How much faith do you have in Punxsutawney Phil? How much do you believe? in this groundhog to do the right thing tell us the truth tell us what's going to happen in the next six weeks brian i i based on the temperature right now and uh bunks tiny film might be on to something yeah i think i think we're in a, the middle of an arctic blast that's right and uh i i i think he's got i think he's gonna get it done this year I think he's right. Six six weeks is a long time. Yeah, that's another. Uh, that's into March. That's like second week of March. We're talking here. I feel like we haven't really had a real hard winter in a long time, though, and I'd be okay with that. I would. I would like if there was more snow. It was pretty out, you yeah. know. I gotta, you know. Snow would be. I would need the snow. Yep. That would have, if it's gonna be cold. Mm-hmm. I want it to be snowy. Yep. And picturesque. I don't want to be like brutal cold and dry and right. horrible, you know. Right. It's going to be horrible either way. Right. It's whether or not it looks pretty and yes. you know has that. At least if it's got some aesthetics to yeah. it, yeah, you, know, you can deal with it a little bit. It's like gentlemen. Um, no, I, 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 I'm going to have to disagree <laughs> with Pugs Tiny Phil. I feel, oh, I, I'm feeling like I think we have about another. Um, I think we got another about two weeks of winter. Really, and then I think we're going to get. I think things are going to turn around. All right, yeah. and I'm I'm doing that. I'm, I'm saying that based on uh, I think 150 years of climate data, basically, uh, where they record the temperatures in February and they tell us like how many uh, fake news. Yeah, <laughs> how much? Uh, because I know for a fact that in uh, Kansas, <laughs> in Kansas specifically. Uh, about February 15th is when we start to see temperatures average back up to the 50s and okay. lows of, you know, still lows in the low 30s, but uh, 50s to me seems like that's kind of not winter anymore. So, Well, Brian, all I care about is that by March Madness, the yeah. temperatures are just warm enough that I can sit on a deck in a local, local establishment and smoke a stogie and I watch... Think- I, My bracket get busted to pieces. I feel like I feel like that's a. I think there's a good bet. I think there's a good bet there. I think we can. I think that's going to happen. Okay. So, I I, I predict. Uh, I'm, I'm going to predict 100 percent certainty. What? That in mid March, it's going to be palatable for smoking a stogie and watching your bracket get busted. And when you another- and by that I mean. If it was negative ten outside, <laughs> and it was mid March, we'll still smoke we'll still stogies. be out there smoking stogies, and we'll still be watching our brackets get busted. That's right, uh, rain or we're shine. We'll be loving it. So, uh, so yeah, I'm not too worried about that. I can I can promise that. But I don't think it will be negative ten. I think it's going to be like 
I think it's gonna be like sixty degrees All right. for a high. I feel like that's that's a good number. That's what so, I want to hear. So anyway, I don't know about Punk's Tony Phil. His 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 historical accuracy is called in question, and the people that keep the records of what he said and what happened that year are the people that are his caretakers. So dubious at best. It's a little biased. I don't mm. know if I can t- trust the people of Punxsutawney to be straight up about what he said and when he said it. Here's the thing, Brian. Have we considered the fact that the Russians haven't gotten at Punxsutawney Phil and are influencing this, you know, I don't I, decision. Do we know who? Yeah, I mean, is the Kremlin, you know. The <laughs> Kremlin. Yeah. Said the Nadia Who's uh who is this Punxsutawney group? That's that's group Punxsutawney. Group. Yeah. <laughs> the Punxsutawney. <laughs> The Punxsutawneys. The Pentaverate. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Uh, well, anyway, maybe we should look into this. We'll do some research. But not too much research. Because I don't want to get too close. Right. You know? Right. I've seen that movie. Right. You find out about the Russian right. spy thing that's going on. Right. Groundhog Day. Groundhog Day. All of a sudden. There's actually a lot of movies like that. Yeah. Uh, so, anyway. <laughs> We're not going to do too much research into it, right? But right. maybe a little bit, yeah. But not not too much. We don't know what we're talking about yeah. anyway. Hmm. Uh, okay, well, uh, we'll we'll find that out for next week. Yep. And I'm pretty sure we're going to come back with there's no connection, no connection, <clears throat> zero nope. Russian None. connection with Punk's Tiny Phil. Nope. Why would sure. there be? Uh, anyway, Glenn. All right. Well, uh, that was episode 130 of the Gentleman Podcast. Wow. Um, so 130. It's a big mile marker. Yeah, it is. Um. Anyway, uh, thanks for checking out the Gentleman Podcast. Thanks for uh, enduring uh, six more weeks of winter, according to Pugs and Tony Phil. But we're right there with you. Yeah. You don't have to do it alone. No, we'll be there too. Um, And uh, anyway. (laughs) I I poured another uh, Flora Obscura. (laughs) It's uh, Beer Obscura. Flora of Fauna. Um, Okay, Glenn. Well, uh, that was episode 130. Uh, I'm Brian McKinney. I'm Glenn Sansbury. Thanks for listening to the episode. We will catch you guys in two weeks for episode 131. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Good night. Good night.